0: Well, good morning, and welcome to Press Church. How are we doing today? Beautiful Sunday morning. So glad to have you guys. Uh, If this is your first time here at Press Church, welcome. We're so glad to have you. And for those of you that are watching online, glad to have you joining us as well. We have a special Sunday wrapping up. Uh, Where is my mind? I've got CR and Jason with me today. It's always fun. I always enjoy uh, when we get to have the three of us on stage so that you guys can hear uh, some other wisdom from not just myself, but these. You're very generous. These yeah. fine, these fine gentlemen. But before we jump into it, uh, if you know, as you walked in, you probably noticed all the decorations. Tonight is Monster Mash, our Halloween event, trunk or treat in a church lobby.
1: Fall festival.
0: Sure, fall festival. Yeah, it's whatever in a church. You, you gotta say. Yeah, I grew. I grew up, up, I grew up, up in
1: church. It's a fall
0: festival. <laughs> there you go. There you go. <clears throat> So we're excited. If, if you haven't signed up to help or aren't coming tonight, you should totally come uh, and enjoy the evening with us. I talked to so um, Chrissy Bontry, or Really, bo- Both of the Bontriggers have been really big helps in making Monster Mash what it is. But she basically said, if you haven't signed up, you're more than welcome to come enjoy the evening with us. But if you haven't signed up, come after and help us tear down. That's what you can do. If you want to stick around, help us tear down. We've got other things happening, and we don't want to be here till midnight um, cleaning up, so we're not going to be here till midnight cleaning up. Uh, but yeah, m- what's, the, what's the phrase, many hands make work light, light, light work, yeah. one of those things? Yeah. You, you should know, usually you're the one who has all the the, the, the pithy sayings. Sure. The, that. Yeah. the witty partay. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Wait, what? I don't know. This is what I'm talking about, people. I just make stuff up and he so, thinks I knew what so I was So, so anyways, about. Monster
0: Mash tonight, we we want you uh we want you to be there and helping out. And the other thing I want to remind you guys as well is um we we need each of you. Like w- when we talk about doing things like you play a huge part in Press Church being what it is. And so if you call Press Church home, uh both your serving time and your financial support is extremely important to us. So we wanna just reiterate that, that your, uh, your support means a lot and it allows us to do what we're doing. Um, we really try to do our best to uh, spread the gospel, spread the, who Jesus is, why it's important, uh, and to love our community well. And so you play a part in that. Um, so I just wanna reiterate, there's good things happening and we, we need you to step in, not only with your time, but also with your finances as well. So we just want to reiterate that you you do play a major part in how and what we can do here at Press Church.
2: Yeah, I would say, like, and if you're feeling, you know, be in prayer about this as the, the year is ending here uh, in just a couple of uh, weeks, really. We're coming up. <laughs> Christmas is right around the corner. Yeah, Christmas. Uh, what? As we're moving forward, you know. Uh, think in terms of going above and beyond. If you're a giver, go above and beyond because the the church can definitely use your support, and we can do a lot more with that. And uh, you know, and if you're not giving currently, start praying about doing that because Absolutely. it's it's a big part of obedience and and that process, which is what we're talking about really. With mm-hmm. where is your mind, you know? Right, right, yeah. Where's
0: your mind? So we're gonna be wrapping up the series today. Uh, I've I've enjoyed the series. I think it's really. It's really important to dig into and asking that question where is my mind? And you know, with everything that's going on, with everything that's happening in my life, the things that I'm dealing with, my stresses, my anxieties, asking that, like taking that time and asking, where is my mind in this? When life is getting hard, where is my mind? What are the things that I am thinking of? And so, I think last week, if you were able to join us, the the message I think encapsulates this series really well. Uh, And we talked about how we are often attacked by evil. Uh, how, how evil attacks us. And the main point from last week was this. It was that evil twists truth. When we see evil coming against us, it, it twists truth. And it plays into, again, where is my mind? What are the things that I'm thinking about? What are the, what are the things that I am taking in and, and thinking of as truth? And so we worked through Matthew chapter 4 where Jesus is tempted in the desert. And there were three, like, main points that, that I talked about. I said he twists, one, who's in control he twists what makes you special, and he twists your purpose. And so if you haven't had a chance to either be with us last week or watch that sermon, I would highly recommend go to YouTube, go to our website, you can find it. Um, but here's the thing, we, we are facing a battle every day, and it's a battle for your mind. And we see this where evil comes, and it twists truth, it twists what you believe, and in that, that affects everything everything in your life. It affects how you view people, it affects how you view family, what you think, who you think the enemy is, who you think is out to get you. Um, And so these are super important things that we have to really work through uh, as Christians, as followers of Jesus, asking where's my mind uh, in all of this stuff. And so one of the reasons why I have Sierra and Jason here today is because, like I said, I feel like they, uh, they see things, obviously we all see things differently. Uh, there's there's gonna be things that stand out to us And so I was gonna I wanted to get a little bit uh, From them of how what you guys thought of the series maybe what stood out to you and also, you know, maybe um, Something that you are focused on through the series in particular CR. I had some people ask about the bumper I don't know if you if you know what the bumper is that little uh, uh, Video before the message so the where's my mind? Uh, song with the pictures that's a bumper CR makes the bumpers. So let's give a round of applause for all the yeah. creative. But CR, you don't go into these bumpers lightly. Like, you actually, like, really put some thought into it. So I've had some people ask about, I like, do, do those pictures, like, mean anything? Like, what is this? Like, why do we have a picture of a weird face? Okay, in our, well, like... I'll, I'll go through them. I'll, I'll break that
2: down a little bit. Yeah, so a bumper, that's, like, technical jargon, right? Um, it's funny because... Uh, I've done production music production has been a big part of my life over the years and I used to do What's called bed music for TV shows? And uh, you made bed music Yeah, and and so I tell people it'd be like so so what's some of the stuff you do and I'd be like well I've done bed music for this TV show and that TV show and bed music. What's bed music? And uh, oh, you know what bed it's just technical jargon. It's just background music, right? Right. Sure it is sure it is (laughs) But uh, yeah, that was interesting when I was uh, uh, engaged in trying to explain that to my oh right future in-laws. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> I swear it's not what you think it is. Yeah. So uh, so yeah, the bumper. Okay, so we we do try uh, to make the bumpers as creative as possible and within the limited scope of what we have to work <laughs> with. And uh, this this most recent one it, it, it was a little different in that. Um, using these uh, depictions through art to kind of convey this idea of anxiety, Mm. uh, existential anxiety, this... (laughs) Big word. Yeah, right? This uh, sense of who am I, why am I here, all of this kind of stuff. And what's really great about some of these um, pieces is that they're speaking to exactly that. And a lot of these artists are, you know, are, are dealing with deeply spiritual themes. And, and a lot of times we, we don't recognize that. And so I'm just gonna visit a couple of them since people asked. So yeah. uh, the first one that I'll hit is the, uh, this is the Caravaggio um, depiction of St. Peter being crucified upside down. Now the scriptures don't say that Peter was crucified upside down, but it's kind of- uh, Tradition. Yeah, it's, it's tradition. That he chose to be crucified upside down because he didn't feel worthy of being crucified like Jesus. So uh, this is a depiction of that. Maybe you didn't catch it when it was going through. Maybe you didn't even understand that that's what was going on. But that's conveying something. Here is an apostle who followed after Christ, who gave everything up. Uh, in the process, right? But if we know anything about Peter's life, I mean, he was a really interesting character that kind of uh, struggled with that, right? Mm-hmm. And so there, there is this this tension, this wrestling, this anxiety throughout his life, and then we see this depiction of the end of it, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, moving forward, uh, we use a couple of uh, Van Gogh, or Van Gogh, depending on, oh, fancy! yeah, if you want to <laughs> CR is so fancy. You just CR is the most want cultured. This to be <laughs> like pretentious or anything. Oh, it, it is. is. It Whatever. is. Let's just embrace it. Uh, so <laughs> this is a self-portrait. Uh, most people know who he is—the guy who cut off his ear, right? Mm-hmm. But the thing is, is uh, uh, what most people don't know is he was actually a pastor. His dad was a pastor, and he was a pastor. He was a pastor for two years until he was unceremoniously let go because the public statement was he didn't speak well enough. So. I guess that's a warning to you, Sean. I'll have You're to, past the
1: two-year mark, so
2: <laughs> but, keep, uh, keep your ears. I was about to say, <laughs> <laughs> throughout his life, he dealt with depression and he struggled with a lot of stuff. But he also had deeply held uh, these strong spiritual theological uh, foundations, right? And um, so I just, I wanted to get a depiction of somebody who was, you know, uh, who dealt with this kind of stuff and struggled with uh, mental illness. And then there's a, a second painting that he did. And uh, this, this one's called At Eternity's Gate. And he actually did this like two months before he committed suicide. Mm-hmm. And this is when he was uh, recovering in the hospital, a mental hospital before that point. I, th- I believe it was a mental hospital. And this older man was, uh, it's believed that this guy was in prayer. Uh, what, what Van Gogh writes about him is that he was a very spiritual person who was, was wrestling with, with eternity and the deep things of God. And so, uh, again, this anxiety, these existential questions about purpose and meaning and what's it all about. So, uh, I can go on and on and on. Well, with this here, stuff.
1: So, so something that comes to mind when you go through all this is, you know, we lose a little bit of our ability to see all of what you just said within a painting. Mm -hmm. You know anymore, because I mean, it's not a TikTok video. (laughs) So how does it convey truth? (laughs) You know, like that—that's kind of. But in in our culture, we don't stop long enough to really consider and and think about everything that's going on, and the art that is out there, and the way people process all of these things. And and some of that is the whole premise behind the series. Where is my mind? Well, if my mind is constantly on Twitter. You know, and and uh-huh. on the the nonstop barrage of images, you don't stop long enough to really dive into. Okay, we do live in a very anxious society, mm-hmm. and and what are we doing with that?
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, we'll get. I think we're going to get even more into that in a second. But
1: <laughs> I got one more painting that. If, I went If into. we actually prepared ahead of time, <laughs> I would have known that. But that's all
2: right. <laughs> Uh, so a lot of people have seen this one. This one's The Scream by Edward Munch or Edward Munch, depending on how you want to pronounce it, but anyway, uh, so what's great about this one, and he, this, this guy also grew up in a deeply spiritual household, kind of, uh, and also dealt with a lot of mental health issues and struggled with a lot of this stuff, uh, throughout his life. But depicting this, uh, emotional release, this, this dealing with, Uh, in a moment of absolute release of of one's sense of what's it all about, you know, so uh, again, trying to use some of this art to, to, to sort of convey the message of the human condition, this is what it comes down to, it's all about the human condition, and in secular circles, you'll hear people refer to it as the human condition, we call it the sin nature of man, right, which is the the reality that we struggle with the separation Mm -hmm. between us and God that was introduced in the narrative in the Garden of Eden. And um, early on, Sean had mentioned Kierkegaard, and again, that sounds like... First first week, if you're you're paying attention, the first week. (laughs) Uh, He was a great enlightenment thinker, theologian, philosopher, and uh, psychologist, really. He introduces the concept of anxiety that we still deal with in psychology today. One of of the uh, thinkers that is uh, still regarded as being legitimate, you know, a lot of stuff has been disproven or they think a lot differently about it now. It's still held that Kierkegaard had a great understanding of this anxiety concept. Hmm. But what's really interesting about it is that it was deeply rooted in theology. So, <laughs> something as uh, secular uh, as, you know, the scientific community right. still understands that there, there are these deeper human condition issues right. that we all struggle with, and anxiety, w- uh, you know, Kierkegaard is dealing with, where does it come from? What is the, what generates this anxiety? Is it a good thing, or is it a bad thing? And uh, y- he has a lot of works that kind of deal with it, and... Um, You know, one in particular where he talks about Adam in in the garden when he's so when Adam is dealing with this question of do I eat of the fruit or not? Mm. Uh, This is before
0: they had eaten.
2: Yeah. So this is this is before that sin had actually entered in. So he's he's in a moment of dealing with this question of do I Follow what I want to do, or do I be obedient to God? Because God has said that I'm not supposed to do this. Truly an existential crisis. Yes. I mean, in its rawest form. Yes. And basically, uh, how Kierkegaard explains it is that's the core of what we're dealing with. And he goes on to, he talks about Abraham, and Abraham being a person who does all kinds of things throughout his life to try to avoid pain, essentially. And that's what we do. In the human condition, we're always trying to avoid pain. And, 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 and when Abraham is in this place in his life, when he finally has his promised son, and God's calling upon him to kill his son? Right. I mean, it, it, Sean talked about this yeah. before, and, and I mean, that sounds really random, right? People have this weird concept of people who embrace Christianity outside of the church so they're like... There's a lot of weird things. Let's just face it. There's a lot of weird things in the scriptures. Okay? Absolutely. absolutely. And, and this one where God's calling upon him to kill his son. And we think of that in terms like that violates every concept of what would be, what we would consider to be ethically correct, right? Right. And, and even Abraham could have looked at that as violating, God violating his own promise. Right. And, and yet Abraham chooses at this point in his life to be fully obedient to God and follow through with it. And of course, he doesn't have to follow through with it, right. but it's that that wrestling and that tension that actually uh, points to the transformation of his heart, the mm. condition of his heart. Yeah. So uh, again, Kierkegaard touches on this kind of stuff. And I'm not trying to elevate Kierkegaard. He's just making a lot of really great statements about scripture. And right. actually, if you read Ecclesiastes, a lot of his stuff is runs right parallel to Ecclesiastes. But uh, I digress. <laughs> I go on. I could go on a little too long with this kind of stuff. <laughs> it's the, good. The point being this: we deal with anxiety. This whole series is about the the fact that we're wrestling with these tensions and we're anxious about stuff. If you look at our our our, our culture right now, we are dealing with such tension and anxiety that like never before. And I know we say a lot of things like like never before, but it's this has been studied researched it's scientifically empirically been proven that the anxiety levels are higher now than they have been in the last you know, really they've been raising over the last hundred years mm-hmm. but That's all over all time before that and the issue is is we have so much at our fingertips and we can do so much that keeps us from actually uh, dealing with pain right mm-hmm. any type of hardship right right yeah. Everything's at our fingertips. And, 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 and so we spend so much time trying to make the right decisions, trying to make self-protect, trying to do everything to such a degree that we don't have to feel the pain of existence. Hmm. That's really what it comes yeah. down to. And what we're saying here is there is pain in existence because of, of sin entering in, and we have to deal with that. We have to actually enter into that and accept that that is part Of living in this life Mm. you know and the great part of that is um, you know it yes
1: we need to but it's not like we follow a God who didn't join us in that process that's right yeah and that's kind of why we can talk about this stuff within church you know we don't have to be in a medical facility or a you know (laughs) in in, in counseling to deal with this though those are all fine and good Mm -hmm. but in church we talk about it because We worship a God who became one of us Mm -hmm. and entered into the brokenness of this world in order to redeem this world and and, and us as well. And so, you know, to to avoid it is actually to kind of thumb your nose at God. Mm. Mm. Yeah, because he entered into it on our behalf so that he could truly walk with us. The you know, book of Hebrews says that we, you know, we, we have a great high priest in Jesus right. who, who suffered everything we did yeah. so that he could truly be the perfect yeah. high priest. And so this whole idea of avoiding pain is, is actually not good. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it is part of what we're going to deal with, and so we've got to face that right. head on and, and actually deal with it.
2: Yeah. Uh, it's astonishing to me, and maybe you're coming here and you're like, you guys don't tickle my ears enough, you don't talk about like how God's this, you know, will answer all of my prayers the way I want them answered, you know, (laughs) that kind of thing, and it's like, there are a lot of preachers out there that would do that, there are a lot of teachers out there that will tell you that, right, Uh, uh, anything can be yours if you command it in a certain way, right, speak it, yeah, (laughs) And, and what we're here to say is that's not That's not what the scriptures present, and we're saying that, yes, life is hard, but you have a God who is walking with you through it, and this is the reality of sin entering in, but there is hope and there is promise in that we're not living for this life, and so much of our anxiety comes from trying to make everything in our current life so uh, pain-free and perfect and all of this kind of stuff, and it's not going to be. Now, that shouldn't disappoint you. I mean, you might have to grieve that for a minute. You know, wait a minute. I can't have everything I want. I can't live in a situation where everything's going to be perfect all the time. Right. Uh, shocker. No, you cannot. Okay. <laughs> what? So what's the answer to that, right? And the answer is simply this. It's you can continue to fight in that struggle or you can surrender and be obedient to God. Mm, and yeah. that's the only pathway out of the, the hardest side of this anxiety process. And it's, right. still, gonna, it's still not going to be easy. Right, right. You know? But the point being, when you, when you posture your heart towards God and you're like, God, I don't know. I don't know if I should do this or I should do that, but I, I'm trying to follow after you. And maybe following after you doesn't mean that I make all the extra money that I could make. Mm. Maybe it means giving money. Maybe it means, uh, that I don't get to do the thing that I want to do, or maybe I have to deal with the fact that I'm not going to have this relationship with this person be the way I want it to be. Mm. And I have to, I have to be obedient to you in that and recognize that it's going to take a sacrifice for me to engage that, but that's what you're calling me to. That's the pathway through it that we're talking about with this. Where is your mind? There is a battle for your mind in this process. Right. And that's where evil tries to get in and twist it, twist the truth that, that, that are in, the truth that is in Scripture, twist it ever so slightly, just slightly enough to tickle your ears and, and, and make it about you. And right. it's all about God. That's well, what th- it comes down to.
0: And twisting that, I think the lie that we believe is in, 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 in obedience or in submission to God, then it's going to be worse. -hmm. Or it's going to be bad. And what's crazy is it's in those myths that you are actually living out obedience to God where you do actually have peace. Mm -hmm. And you do actually like have this sense of hope and this weird sense of joy. And that's I mean, I've experienced this in my life. It's like this shouldn't make me have peace. Like this shouldn't make me have joy, but yet it is because it's in submission to what God is asking me to do. And I think that's the lie again of evil is that when you do the things that God is asking you to do. Well, I'm just going to give it up. It's not going to be as fun. It's not going to look a certain way, or that's going to be. It's just going to be this like sacrificial. I'm just going to be this like I don't know blob of a human being that has no fun and anything. And in reality, that's not true at all. It's like you actually are. There is a there's an inspiration. There's like an invigoration of like, wow, I'm, I'm in the will of God. Like I'm doing something. I don't know. A very new
2: and different life. Right. Yeah. Right. So uh, I have one scripture. I don't want this to all just be, you know, see our quoting the existential doing, section, yeah, Kierkegaard and art and all <laughs> that kind of stuff. Uh, that I really wanted to bring forward. And we mentioned this scripture before, but it's uh, Colossians three one through three, okay? And I know I'm I'm just like taking a piece of it here. And there's so much in, in this entire piece that go home and read it. But yes. <laughs> but let's just concentrate on this part right 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 here right now. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Mm. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. That's That's the point of all of it. There's a lot of depth in this this piece right here. Uh, Paul's talking about your heart, posturing your heart. He's talking about your mind. And, of course, Jason can break down for you some of the... Uh, cultural understanding of what that actually means. But yeah. as we take it in, where is our heart? Where is our mind? Where is our, our sense at? Where, where, where are we postured? Are we postured towards ourself? Are we ta- postured towards God and things above? And if you have fully entered into this relationship, then th- the concept is you have died. The old self has died. And your life is now hidden with Christ in God, which means you move away from the old things of, of being self-protective and self-focused and all about your own whatever it is that you want.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, even just building on that, when as we were going through the series, a verse that kept coming to my mind um, as well was Second Corinthians 10, uh, where it, you know, it says, for though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not the flesh, but of divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. And, and this is the thing that kept coming to my mind was, and we take every thought captive to obey Christ. And, and so obedience, following God, is you know, it. A big part of it is my mind Mm -hmm. is choosing that, and and obviously it doesn't stay there. I have to actually then do it, (laughs) you know. I mean, it it can't just stay up in my brain, and that's the only place. Oh yeah, I follow God. I chose to obey Him once. I'm good, (laughs) you know. It's a it's an ongoing process. uh, It's a process. I think
2: people a lot of times in the church uh, it's presented as this, you know, say a prayer and you're done or whatever, and it's like, okay, that's important. It's an important part of the process, but. It is a journey. Yeah. And it, it's a lifelong journey. However right. long that life may be, it's yeah. a lifelong journey. Well, and I know
1: for me, like I continue to learn things on that journey
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, things that I, I thought I had nailed down, you know, and then all of a sudden things happen and I don't. I, so I, recently, over the past four to five years, um, I've gone through some things in ministry that I wasn't expecting, right? You know, I, and, and so this whole where is my mind? That was a battle, constantly, uh, in in how I was going to take my thoughts captive, and and what, where would I go with this? I mean, most of you don't know all of my story, and and I'm not going to share it all now because we don't have time for that. Um, but you know, for me, there there was a time where I, I was I was part of uh, you know a church that I had planted and I was leading, and quite honestly, it it was it was falling apart. There were things not going well. Some of it. Honestly, it was my fault. Some of it wasn't. It was completely out of my control. Uh, And and so looking around, trying to wrestle with, because my view on my calling into ministry um, now, as I reflect on it, even over the last few weeks as we've gone through the series, my view on my calling into ministry, it was really more of a a, a recruitment, right? I, I was told by a youth pastor that I have gifts that God would love to have, you know, working on his team. And so I should be part of his team. And, you know, as a high schooler, that makes sense. I get that. But that was kind of my paradigm for why I did ministry. Because, I mean, I had some gifts that God wanted to use. And so I was going to use them. And, and it, that was good. And, and, you know, there's places in scripture that back that up. The, the problem is I saw over and over that, you know, where, where I was strong, I just didn't need God sometimes. You know, which, I mean, I know that not actually true, but that's the way it felt, uh, you know, if I could just, I, I got this, I can handle this, I can manage this, you know, and, and, and so it just got me thinking, because then when I hit a patch where I couldn't do it, I didn't have the gifts, and, and I kind of looked like, oh, no, I'm, I'm a liability on God's team now, mm-hmm. you know, like, I'm, I'm, I, he's gonna fire me, he, he's going to kick me off the team. He's going to bench me, any of those metaphors you know, you know, filled in. And, and I was really thinking through all that. And, and it, I, I started crazy, I know. I, I was looking at scripture. <laughs> and, and I noticed you, you, brought up, you brought up Peter, right? And, and, and I was just kind of looking at the life of Peter. And I, if you, if you want to do a study on this sometime, uh, you can write these two passages down, Luke 5 and John 21. Uh, it's kind of the bookends of Peter's time with Jesus. But in Luke 5, there's this cool thing. Jesus calls Peter into ministry. And he does it, though, by starting with this miraculous catch. They were fishing. They were professional fishermen. And you've heard the story before, throw your nets on the other side, and they pull in this big catch, and, and, you know, Peter says, I'm not worthy. You know, you obviously are a man of God, and et cetera, and so forth. And you remember, you've probably sung the song when you were growing up, if you grew up in church, uh, you know, I will make you fishers of men, right? That's where Jesus looks at Peter, who's a fisherman. That's what he's good at. And he says, I'm going to take what you're good at, and I'm going to use it for the kingdom. I'm going to make you a fisher of men now. And so then the next three years, Jesus spends with Peter, going through this whole discipleship process but we also know and you alluded to this you know the roller coaster life of peter you know and when it comes time and jesus is arrested and what does peter do he denies he even knows jesus he seeks to save his skin rather than to be um submissive to who who god is and to be you know faithful to jesus and of course this breaks his heart right and, and he really he knows he has truly let jesus down and um, and and he feels like at that point he's he's going to get taken out of the game. He's done. There's nothing more that can happen. And so, story goes. Obviously, Jesus doesn't. You know, he's 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 crucified. But then he's resurrected. And uh, in John 21, we have this beautiful picture of Jesus restoring Peter. And here's where it got interesting to me as I started thinking through this. I want to bore you with my whole story, but the so Peter is again. Goes out in his boat because that's what he's good at. That's what he knows. That's where he feels competency and confidence. And he's just in his boat because he has no idea what's going to happen next. And they're fishing and they're not catching anything. So he's not even doing well at what he's supposed to be good at. Okay? And, And in that then, all of a sudden, Jesus is on the shore and says, Hey, throw your nuts on the other side. Exact same miracle, right? That happened at the beginning when he called Peter into ministry. Sure enough, there's a catch. Peter, it dawns on Peter, oh, this is Jesus. And so what does Peter do? He jumps in the water and swims to shore because he's just, he's gotta be there. And then Jesus restores Peter. And this is the fascinating part of this because Jesus then, you know, who just did another miraculous thing, right? And, and says earlier, he had said, based on this, you're a good fisherman. I'm gonna make you fisherman But this time he asked Peter the, this question. He says, do you love me? And Peter's like, yeah, duh. Hello, you know, like, and Jesus says, feed my sheep. And he does this three times. And what just struck me in that as I was thinking through everything that you've been teaching over the last few weeks and, and this whole idea is where my Jesus? Jesus, he, he flipped the script and changed the metaphor on Peter and said, you know what you were good at? fishing. You know where you found all your strength and all your confidence? Fishing, because you were good at it. You knew how to do it. That was a metaphor you could get when you were young and you didn't quite understand what was going on. But now that you're in the graduate level, right? Now that you're, you're, you're maturing in your faith, I want you to see where you're really going to be strong, where I'm going to see you blossom in ways that you can't even imagine, is in a, a metaphor, and a narrative where you don't feel strong, but you feel weak and inadequate because that's when I show up. And, and that to me is like, I read that and it just, I just had to sit there for a while and just process that because I realized for so long I had been all worried about what I was good at and, and doing that. And, and then all of a sudden that fell apart and I had to reorient myself to say, you know what, where I'm weak, that's where God shows up the most. Mm-hmm. But that's a mind shift, right? That's a, that's a paradigm shift in the way I perceive the world around me and, and it wasn't easy right away. You know, I mean, it wasn't this, oh, yeah, now everything is just... It's probably still not easy. No, it's not. I work with you guys. So, no. <laughs> but, that's, but that's where it... When we ask, where is your mind? It's really a question of, are you willing to wrestle with some of these things? Are, are you willing to dive into them and not just skip over the surface, right? I mean, w- literally, when, when CR put the, the images together, in the, there was deep thought and reflection in it, because we were actually reflecting on it, because it matters. And so, you know, that's kind of where, where is my mind? I want to take every, every thought captive, because I want to make sure I'm not trying to lean back on my own strength, but leaning into who Jesus is and when he shows up and what that's like.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think you, kind of what you said, this, this series has been interesting for me, um, because I catch myself asking the question, where's my mind, more on a daily basis. Um, if I'm, you know, sh- shocker, like, I experience anxiety as well. Like, I can't, I've, I've told the story, like, leaving Sunday morning and going home is probably the, one of the worst times for a pastor because, at least for me, it's like, I leave and then I think about all the things I didn't say that I wanted to say or said wrong or, you know, it's like, and then it's like, what are you going to think about me? It's like the, the thoughts come rushing in and you're sitting there on the couch at home, and it's like, and you can't, you're, you're stuck. It's like you're stuck in that, and I, and I, I just, it's funny, because I'm sitting there, and then I'm, I'm asking, all right, where's my mind? My mind is on negative. My mind is on uh, things outside of my control. My mind is not on who I am in Christ. My mind is not on the fact that the Holy Spirit's going to use me, and the Holy Spirit's going to use those words, and He's going to speak to people. And, and that's the thing, it's like we each have these struggles, and I think it's so important to ask, like, even asking that question, my mind starts turning.
2: Well, Sean, you said like last week you brought it in, and you really said that a lot of the lies of evil, it's all about. Your identity, right? yeah, absolutely. And so that's the under that. That's what the uh, underlying thing in all of this is. The lies of evil tries to take your situation, mm-hmm. uh, speak into that, and twist it ever so slightly, so that you think you're not good enough, that you're right. not, uh, and on your own you're not. But you're loved by <laughs> God, right? And that's what makes you. Right. That's 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 what defines you. And so we get caught up in our own performance and who we are in our whatever level of respect we have in the community or our jobs or whatever. And, uh, you know, when those things go away, when you don't have the money, you don't have the jobs, you don't have the prestige. That's when things start going sideways. Right. Mm. And so, uh, and you start to recognize, like, I have thought that I was okay because of these other things. Yeah. Yeah. And I've allowed those things to define me. And, and a lot of times God's going to deal with you on that kind of stuff because, he wants us to move away from that and right. have our identity fully in him which requires sacrificial obedience.
0: Right, right.
2: So uh, this is all an identity thing. We always say uh that we want to help people embrace their identity in Christ and that's really what this comes down to. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Absolutely.
2: So as we close this out, I've got a verse that I want to share with us. It's
0: in Philippians chapter 4 and this uh, I think it does a good job of kind of wrapping this series up and is also going to give you guys a little bit of insight on where we're going in our next series. Let's read this together. It says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Um, I think each of us, you know, the idea of having peace, the idea of, of getting past these anxieties or, or, or fighting these ad, uh, anxieties are really important to all of us. And really where we're going to be moving into in this next series is a, is a series on prayer. And I think a lot of times, a lot of us have a lot of misconceptions about prayer. Or we don't really know what, what am I supposed to say or how am I supposed to say it or what does it actually do? Does it even work? Because I think most of us in this room would be say, I've prayed for something and it hasn't happened what does that mean? Did I not pray right? Was I not, did I not have enough faith? Was I not sincere enough? Does God actually not answer prayer? Like, and so we're going to be working through uh, prayer over this next series. We're going to look at the Lord's Prayer specifically. Um, but I think this is the natural, like uh, almost like a natural progression with where we've been at with where am I, where's my mind to now getting some real tangible things of how do we address the anxieties, so like we've said, okay, evil twists truth, and we need to we need to renew our minds, and we need like, what are some practical ways that we can move forward and hearing God better, and, and attacking this this anxiety, and in in thinking about things above. Um, Dylan, you can come up and start as we kind of close out. But um, I, I love that in verse seven. If you could put up the the verse seven one more time, it says that God will the God of peace, will guard our hearts and our minds. And I think that's something that, you know, we've been talking about. That's what we want. We want to set our, our minds on things above. We want to set our hearts on things above. In all of these verses, there's been a theme. There's been a theme about our hearts and our minds and this need for us to protect those, our, the need for us to think about things above. And so wherever you are today, um, whatever you're facing, whatever anxiety, he's encouraging us to think on things above. He's encouraging us to be, coming to Him, uh, giving Him our burdens, giving Him our stresses. Yeah.
2: I, Sean, I want to say one thing. You're talking about the need for protection of the heart and mind, and the problem is when we get in the middle of that and we try to play what I would call mm. a mini-G God yeah, yeah, and yeah. do self-protection, we have to turn that to God for protection. Right, we right. can't protect our own hearts and minds. Right. That That's what God mm. does, and we can only— uh, right. Have that protection right. through Him. Right. So,
0: right. yeah, no, that's good. So I'm gonna, like, we're gonna wrap up. Uh, where is my mind? But I'm gonna in- encourage you. G- come next week as we start this new series on prayer, really diving into, uh, yeah, ha- what, what is prayer? Why do we pray? What's the purpose? What's the, you know, and what is, what does God say about it? What does Jesus? There's a couple times where Jesus speaks specifically about prayer. What do we find in those passages? What is the truth in there that In there that we need to to apply to our lives, Um, and so I again I encourage you guys wherever you're at, be thinking about this question. You know, where is my mind? How do I how do I bring God into this? How do I be obedient to Him in everything that I'm going through? So let's um let's close in just a time of prayer. Let's bow our heads. God, we um we thank you for this time together. And, God, I pray that whatever uh, each of us is facing today, I pray that we would be able to set our minds on things above, set our our hearts and minds on things that are glorifying to you. Whatever that battle may be, whatever that anxiety may be that we're feeling today, God, that, that we can ask, where is my mind? What are the things that I'm thinking of? And, God, I pray that through your Holy Spirit we would be able to fight the the thoughts, the negative thoughts, the fears, the anxieties that, that can seemingly paralyze us, God. I thank you for your presence in our lives. I, I, I thank you that, that even when it doesn't feel like you're working or moving, we know that you are there, you are with us, God. God, I pray that, that our lives would, would be worshiped to you, that everything we would do would be unto you, and worship to you because of our love for you. God, protect our hearts, protect our minds. We love you and we thank you for this time. It's in your name we pray, amen.